thank you so much for listening to another episode of CX Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Tune in each week as we listen to amazing customer-focused business leaders from across the world sharing their personal stories about their teams, tools, process, and feedback. Check us out at cxchronicles.com today or listen on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Unlock your business's full potential. Join the global community of high-performing customer-facing and sales teams and leaders who trust Time to Reply's email optimization and analytics software to delight their customers and boost sales. Would you like to get 100% visibility of your team's email performance? Does your NPS tell you that customer satisfaction could do with some TLC? Are you burning leads because your team takes forever getting back to prospects? If you painfully side out yes, don't worry. Time to Reply is here to help. Their software empowers your team members to perform at their best all the time by showing them all of their live email stats and automatically prioritizing the emails and leads they need to attend to next. They'll never breach an SLA or burn a lead again. All of this happens without them leaving their inbox. Outlook, Office 365, and Google Workspace. No change to workflow, no training, instant insights, and stellar results. Team managers get real-time dashboards to track metrics like reply times, email volumes, resolution times, close rates, and follow-up cadences across shared and individual mailboxes. Leaderboards show who's on and who needs a nudge. Never feel like you're in the dark again. Get in touch with today's sponsor, Time to Reply, and get a personalized demo. Visit their website at www.timetoreply.com backslash CXE. Let them know that you heard about them on the CX Chronicles podcast. Don't just keep up. Lead the way. Hey guys, are you looking for ways that you can improve your company's customer experience, customer success, and revenue operations? Then reach out to CX Chronicles. We created CXE after years of being practitioners ourselves, experiencing firsthand the challenges and opportunities of building and managing CXCS revenue operations team from the ground up at a scaling organization. Why work with CX Chronicles? Number one, you get executive level expertise and credibility from day one. We jump in and ramp up as quickly as you need us. Number two, you get actionable CTAs that will maximize your CX and CS ROI. We investigate and audit the economics of your existing CX and CS structure and determine how it can be optimized. And number three, check out our amazing CX and CS focused SaaS partners. We're working with Salesforce, HubSpot, Sturdy, Zendesk, Customer, Help Scout, Churn Zero, Freshworks, and more. Reach out to CXE today, guys. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Super excited for today's show. Terrence Chasire, welcome to the CX Chronicles podcast, my friend. Thank you so much. Lovely to be here, Adrian. So, guys, Terrence has a super cool role at ServiceNow. He's the vice president of product management, customer, and industry workflows. And he just has such a wealth of knowledge about not only customer experience and product management, but building big companies, scaling big companies, working with customers, working with the internal teams that take care of customers. So Terrence, I'm pumped, man, to have you. So first of all, number one, thank you for joining us. Why don't you start off today's show like we start all the episodes? I'd love to just have you spend a couple of minutes. Number one, how'd you get into this whole space? And then number two, what were some of the stepping stones for you, man? How'd you kind of find your way into this role? And how'd you find your way into working with an incredible company like ServiceNow? 
certainly. Um, I'll, I'll jump a little bit to how I got here and then zoom all the way back to, to how I got into the industry. So I, I distinctly remember uh, when I was interviewing here and, and some of the people I'd worked with previously had been recruited and they showed me a prototype they were working on. And in six months, they'd built what had taken us two, two and a half years previously. And I went, okay, this platform can hunt and got me super excited. Okay. So we flashed forward. Let's zoom all the way back to how I got started. Um, I got, I was a geek. Uh, I was exposed to computers through uh, my dad who was in finance and, but it wasn't quite coding. I actually geeked out in spreadsheets. I got on campus uh, and knew I wanted computers. They pointed me to computer science, but writing compilers and data structures didn't do it for me. I really had a lot more fun um, building systems that could help a business um, manage their inventory or figure out whether they were profitable or not. Um, and where I went to school, shout out to Oregon State, uh, I wasn't too exposed to software companies. And so the, the very first innings were um, uh, consulting companies, Deloitte Consulting, and I learned how to implement large systems. This was a couple of decades ago to show my age, but it was <laughs> large transformations uh, when systems were getting modernized and it was ERP systems. But even then I started to do experiments with how do we expose these ERP systems to people via the web so they can configure their own products. If I, if I can remind people, you know, more than two decades ago, it was a really big deal to be able to configure your laptop, your computer, your server in a certain way. Um, and as I was doing those projects, I started to be, say, I, you know, this software could be so much better. Who does this? And that's when I learned that there's a, the concept of a product manager. I went back to a, a business school um, uh, at uh, MIT Sloan, shout out to Sloan, and uh, came out here to the Valley. And I... I I, I you know, slept on a few couches before I finally broke into the industry and um, worked at a, you know, another great vendor uh, in the same valley. And I helped launch their cloud customer service product. Um, and that's where I got to that moment I started to describe to you, right? I, I, we'd done all this really cool work with that team, helped launch a product, was one of the first products that integrated to Twitter for, well, now called X, but at the time, so it was over a decade ago. You know, uh, got APIs, could deliver social customer care. And then I walked um, down the hallways here as they were recruiting me and I saw the power of the platform. And in, in, a, couple of, in a couple of months, they had done a really cool uh, product prototype. And um, I was eager to join the team and we launched it in, in 2015. And the rest, as they say, is history. That power of that platform and have been able to be uh, uh, fortunate to be part of that journey has grown to be one of the the fastest growing uh, products in the CRM uh, customer service market specifically. I think we'll be the fastest to a billion by the end of this year, fastest of all the vendors. And you know we can get into it about why it was so special, but that's that's how I got to this. That's awesome. So Terrence, number one, thank you for sharing that. Number two, I just think like such a cool background as far as kind of being able to bounce around several different businesses that are like number one, just game changers and, and globe changers, right? But number two, you were thinking about some of the the ways that businesses have to connect different technologies and connect different data sets. And you were thinking about all of these like economical types of things that now, now companies are all over, right? Everyone's thinking about how you can kind of connect these dots. But you had like an early role in that, man. So number one, I think that's awesome that you were able to kind of cut your, cut your teeth there. Number two, the service now part. So like love... 
the point that you called out about one of the main pieces of attraction being the velocity, being the speed, being the ability to see a group of people and see a, a, a whole suite of technologies. And it sounds like you saw right away that there was going to be a big opportunity. It sounds like you made the right bet, my friend, because obviously ServiceNow is a huge company, uh, globally uh, recognized. Tons of massive companies are are using your tools and your services every single solitary day. So all awesome stuff there, Terrence. Thank you. Thank you. So let, let me let me uh, share a little bit about what got me excited and keeps me excited about ServiceNow. So we weren't that well known. I know when I got the call. I mentioned three companies that started with service before I got to now. This was seven, eight years ago now, and, and we were not known. Um, and that's credit to the platform. The story we tell here is it wasn't, you know, now we are famous for running service desks. Most people listening to this will, if they've worked at a large organization, probably go, oh, I, I, I that's my IT organization runs that. Um, but the story we tell is that our founder, built a general purpose platform, but had a really hard time getting everyone to understand what it could do. And so the killer app he built came out of his history with Peregrine, this Fred Luddy, and it was for IT help desk. But the power was not in IT service desks, it was orchestrating work. So when the next area that they started in was in orchestrating work for employees. If you've joined a large organization, the process of, you know, so you have an offer. Uh, helping you pick out the laptop and then counting down to the days until you start or nudging your manager to assign a buddy. On the day you show up, some of us are coming on campus now, like I am, getting you your security badge and your and your clearances and your gym access and your benefits and orchestrating all those things. Those are dozens of systems that all of us just know, I my life is super simple. Why isn't work like that? And that's yep. what we built. We brought into the customer service area. Um, I pride myself and the team prides itself on not doing anything unnatural with a platform, but keeping at the core, what is it that customers reach out to do? And it's because they have a request to be fulfilled or they want something resolved. And so yep. we worked really hard to think through, okay, what does that mean? And we built a whole set of customer engagement capabilities that you can WhatsApp, you can text message, you can line, you can... You know, of course, email, phone calls is the 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 OG method of communicating. And what makes it unique is, let's say you have a payment exception and your bank, so for whatever reason, sent your money to the wrong account and you have that anxiety. You don't really care about the phone call or the tweet or the text message. You just want those funds back to you. And that's yep. what we run. We connect that engagement piece to all the processes, the systems. Some of them are not the most modern to actually find out what went wrong and to get those funds back to you. Now, here's the magic. We tell customers, if you can draw it on a napkin, that is a workflow. We can orchestrate those, those pieces of work. We can dip into systems. But after we run it the first time, we can go, these parts could be automated. And the story I just told about a, about a bank is Lloyd's Bank in the UK. And they're able to automate something like 91, 92% of payment exceptions now. Wow. So that instantly get the money back into you. And so for me, that is customer service. It's not how fast you pick up the phone call is how fast do you resolve the issue? How fast can I get my funds back into my account without um, running through a whole bunch of hoops? I, so, so, I mean, number one, I just think like what you just laid out for us there, most companies struggle 
number one, early on, just to even understand their customer or user journey, right? Number one, many, many companies don't understand how complex it can be. The other part too, is so many companies, especially companies that are growing really quickly, there's lots of stepping on each other's toes. There's lots of undefined lines in the sands. Uh, there's lots of areas where people <laughs> think that one team is owning one part and another team is owning. So like, my point is things get complex very quickly. What you just laid out is um, and number one, one of the reasons why you guys are helping some of the largest companies in the world with all of this complexity, this stuff gets hard. You've got people, you've got different technology and different products that are making all these things work. You've got tons of process because I don't care what people say. Once you start talking about people and tools, there's got to be some process living inside of that to glue this stuff together. And then I think the last part is too, just like, it sounds like very, very early on in the service now, DNA, people were listening. They were listening to customers. They were listening to employees. And they're trying to figure out where those those future opportunities or those downstream potential gains could come from. So that's awesome. I think that that's all like incredible stuff. And honestly, for our listeners, these are the types of things that like, you know, ServiceNow is a massive company. They went through the exact same things that many of our listeners who are startup founders and startup executives that are trying to build the stuff from scratch, or to your point, literally drawing this stuff on the back of a napkin or on the whiteboard or um this is how it starts, guys. This is literally where it begins. And over time, with that constant optimization, focus, and investment, this is where you can go in a very short period of time. Back to that velocity point. Terrence, I'd love to jump into the first pillar of team. Spend a couple of minutes talking about your team at ServiceNow and give us a lay of the land for some of the different teams, departments, and roles that you've got in the organization today. Certainly. So um, one of the things we realized fairly early on um, is with this velocity, this scale, we're growing about 40% a year still at the scale we are, at least our business, the area where I sit, is that you have growing pains. Growing pains are just a nice word for still a problem. And one of the things we did was split the product management role into two parts. We now have an inbound product management team and an outbound, and I sit in the outbound. And it was because we had two key components. Think of all the engineering elements that needed to know what needed to be built to customer specification, and then all the, the folks in the org and in the extended org, we needed to learn what is it we were building and why it mattered. So that's what I'll walk you down through the, the, the structure of those, those two sit teams, because I, I sit at that intersection. So on the inbound side, that we call it literally a tripod. It is product management, engineering, and uh, UX and research. Like you said, key part of it is listening to customers. We... We literally follow people home. We follow people home to their offices. But we, you know, we were, I was fortunate to lead launching one of our public sector products recently. And we followed people home who were seeking public assistance and asking, what was that experience of applying for public assistance and accessing the benefits? Then there's the other part, um, the, the, the um, go-to-market or, or sales-facing part where I spend a majority of my time. And it's working through the pillars of, of what makes a successful uh, growing um, software organization, which is product marketing and sales and pre-sales. And, and it is a, another tripod over there of all of us discussing exactly what I said. What is it that we built and why do we think it matters so they can convey that? And then, of course, there's lots of other teams from training and certification to partners because these are large um, um, transformations we drive. So we have a lot of services and advisory partners helping and technology partners as well. But uh, at the core are those groups. I, I love it. I think um, one of the first things that comes to mind 
it's just this is part of why you constantly are seeing the power and the importance of content right now because the tripod that you talked about it's not only understanding what 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 people are going through both your, your customer side and your internal side but it's also being able to socialize what you're finding from it so the learnings the findings and then lastly i just think like so many organizations there's so many different things going on that some of that product marketing and being able to give people clear, concise, I mean, even better, beautiful visual graphics of how to use certain parts of the of the tool, certain feature sets, or to your point about following around, I, I can imagine some of that's also probably digitally too. So you can probably yeah. see usability sets around areas of a tool where, okay, everybody knows how to use these three functions. Why do we have such a low usability rate over here on these areas that we just spent six months, 12 months, 18 months building out? Some of the stuff I know is like, they're big investments. Yeah. They're big bets. You got a lot of smart, hardworking people working on stuff for way longer than the, the customer sees. But like that is some of this modern customer experience. It's literally connecting, bridging, socializing, pr producing, right? And literally producing or distributing the news, for lack of a better term, for how people need to understand something. I think that's that, that that's awesome, man. It's super, super cool. Plus, you guys get to see this with a bunch of different companies in a bunch of different industries across the board. And that makes it probably a game changer just seeing all of the different trends and themes whether it's the good stuff or the bad stuff but that's awesome terrence exactly right and and you're right we we the power of of cloud delivered software is yeah, we're on a journey with no finish line we instrument the heck out of our our products uh i drive and we drive to have meetings where we're actually seeing our our software usages and you're right we've been acquisition of a company called um AppSy that actually shows click-through analytics and click paths. And it is very humbling, right? At, through that whole process, once you see what the actual user path is and you see those misses. Uh, but the cool thing is we make quick pivots and we've got lots of avenues. We've got a vibrant community for customers to submit ideas. We've got a product advisory um, council for, for all our products. Um, uh, just to, to add a little um, light to my title as you're introducing me, I think of myself as wearing uh, two distinct hats. We started our journey with these core horizontal products, our customer service management, original offering, field service management, because we think of field service as an extension of, of customer service. Absolutely. For example, you order something and getting it to your house or getting someone to come to your house to fix or install something. And then third, we're, we're expanding into a new area for us, which is order management, which is that whole, whole journey from, let's say you ordered high-speed internet service. I just had this happen. And getting the fiber needs to be activated in your neighborhood and getting the technician to show up to turn on the junction on the side. Um, and getting like the whole goal is getting you to, um, to productivity. I didn't order an install. I ordered one gig internet access. That's what I, that's what I wanted right. so, I could be, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I could be online today. But then on top of those, all the examples I've given you, public sector, telco, financial services, um, health, healthcare, manufacturing, and we're getting ready to launch something for retail. These are industry-specific processes, and nothing is more industry-specific than how you serve your customers. So we now have a set of industry solutions that are extensions of those that provide tailored business processes, plugging into those systems of record, whether it's your insurance systems of record, banking systems of record, or telco systems of record to deliver those processes, always with a vision focused maniacally on get the customer what they want. If they're a public sector customer, you can go to South Dakota, sd.gov. That's one of our customers. I'll shout them out. 
Um, you can go order a state service directly from there and orchestrating all those processes or, or a telco or, or a bank. And so that's how we think of it. I love it, man. I think that's incredible. I also just think that it's clear that as the business grew, you see why, you know, the service now team is number one, just so big, but number two, this stuff is complex. It, it, I'm just going to keep saying this today. And I think that for some of our listeners, like when you get to the point where your business is serving some of these massive, massive organizations, things compound very quickly. And I think the other piece is your ability to quickly separate and create all of these different areas of subject subject matter expertise is critical, frankly. And then the last part is just, again, like continuing to keep this these different teams, these different departments, these different areas of of expertise connected. So at least people understand what's happening. The right hand knows what's going on with the left hand. Um, people are still understanding sort of what the different parts of the body are doing. That stuff's critical, especially when you scale to the size and just the magnitude of where you guys are today. So Terrence, all, all awesome things here. Terrence, I'd, I'd love to talk about tools. I'd love to jump into the second mm-hmm. pillar of tools because you've already kind of started to lay out all the stuff, but I know that this, I know the tools are something that gets you excited, my friend, but yes, exactly. you can answer this a few different ways. Now, I guess the, 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 the first part of the question is love to just get a sense for sort of what were some of the tools that the ServiceNow team uh, and business used to be able to scale to where y'all are today? Um, the other part of it is talk about some of the tools um, that you've already started to kind of lay out a little bit more in depth so people can kind of understand sort of how you guys have managed your tech stack, how you've actually made investments in technology, and then how you guys are really kind of leveraging some of that technology to be able to scale into the future. Certainly. So. Um, the beauty of our platform, and and you'll you'll catch fairly quickly that that I'm still enamored with as all these years later is is we you know I don't think of us drink eating our own dog food we drink our own champagne uh, that's the core we run our engineering processes through it we run our customer engagement processes but we don't do everything so for example uh, along the journey we learned that there are best in class. Um, uh, voice of the customer capabilities out there. So we've got a partnership, but we also ourselves use Qualtrics. And that's one of the ways that we get a true 360 feedback from customers about everything. They're a whole journey with us, how we showed up when they were evaluating us, how we showed up when they were transacting, what was that implementation journey and what's their journey once the product was live and going. And so getting that longitudinal view on how things were working um, was pretty key. Um, so we use lots of different things. We, we use dynamics for our CRM. So uh, specifically for the Salesforce automation, we play customer service, they play sales, um, Salesforce automation, and we integrate to all the key systems out there. We, we integrate to ERP systems. We, we use SAP ourselves. And so we understand all those different uh, systems and processes that are out there. Uh, but when it comes to orchestrating work, even internally, we use the, the ServiceNow platform. I, so I think the one thing that I, I, I'm, it's funny, you don't hear this enough and it's kind of sad that you don't hear this enough. Rarely do we have guests who have the ability of being able to run the majority of their actual customer portfolio management, general day-to-day, just the, the ongoing operative part of keeping all their customers happy. Many companies are extensions or they are add-ons or they are extras or they are things that you have to plug and play into it. Having the ability of being able to use primarily your own tool and then being able to have an army of humans working at ServiceNow that every time they pick up the next customer phone call, every time they get the next customer ticket, every time they're answering the next customer chat, 
they literally are using the same damn tool. They know it inside and out. They know yeah. what's coming. Maybe they know what's not coming. Maybe they can set some of those expectations, but like that is such a, a competitive advantage. It's not even funny. And no, no hate at all to some of our, our listeners that are building tomorrow's service. Now, like I get it. Sometimes these things start small, but like if you, if you're the type of business executive or business founder where it's really hard to be able to kind of practice what you preach and use the thing that you're building, that makes scaling way harder. It makes growing way harder. It makes finding new revenue way harder. So like, this is something that I just think for, our, for, for all of our listeners today, stop on this point, because if you, if there's a way that you can think about using your service, your product, whatever your solution is, whatever your will, your where is, and then really get excellent at helping your customers use the same damn thing. That's just such a simple way of not only creating an incredible customer experience, but like, guys, that's, that's one of the easiest parts of building a business is making it easy for your customers to use the thing that you're offering. Right. So I, I think that's awesome. Uh, one quick question. How do you guys at a company are at the, uh, the size of the company? I imagine that when there are other tools that you suggest that there's other best in class or there's other, you know, hot tools that, you know, are just going to be able to do it, do it better. And you, it's going to take too long or be too expensive to build it. Is there um, a very complex process at, at a service now for figuring out which of those tools might even make a short list to even be looked at or considered? Or, or how do you guys kind of think about which tools you want to keep on the horizon to potentially invest in or pot pot uh, potentially explore later on down the line? Yeah. So we there's quite a few areas that we play in, obviously, like you mentioned. And so whenever there's a discussion around that, there's usually a team internally that is vested in it. For example, we have a really large engineering organization. And so, of course, they look at the best. We look at the best in class engineering and, and product development capabilities. But we, 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 there, there's a team, our strategic portfolio management team, that works on that space. And they actually have tooling. And we have CI/CD um, through them, and so we challenge them. And we wanted to your point. One of the things we pride ourselves on is being customer zero for all the things that we run. But we don't do everything, right? So something like our our experience organization um, told us there was a really key new way to visualize what could be built, and it was Figma. So we all our product concepts start out in Figma. Now we, you know, not only do we follow customers home, but we build these concepts and we actually run our key product roadmap internal product review meetings running through a Figma. Have you thought through that journey for the customer before we write the first line of code? And so, of course, um, you know, we, we look at everything that's best. And if it's some, an area that we want to play in, that product team takes pride in, in, in building um, to be best in class. Now, I'll extend the answer to the question a little bit. I can, yeah, I can probably envision or sense that some of the folks listening to this would be skeptical. Like I keep coming back to this platform. It can't be everything. It isn't. But one of the things we pride ourselves on is we've been fairly disciplined at seeing new tech out there, acquiring it. And then we have the discipline to actually rewrite it to make it a platform primitive. The area that's, that's most uh, top of mind and in all the press right now is obviously AI. See, if you'll allow me, let me give a yep. couple minutes on AI. Absolutely. We've been on this journey for you know, over a decade, but most specifically, you know, doing like pr predictive around uh, machine event and uh, learning and, and log analytics. But on the, on the end user facing side, we've been making acquisitions for the last five years. 
starting with predictive intelligence, doing the very first rudimentary you know, predictions on based on email or, or subject, could we predict the category for a, a case, for a ticket, uh, and the natural language understanding for a chatbot. We've made numerous acquisitions through to you know, really nifty capabilities like document intelligence that reads an attachment, reads an image, and extracts that information. The AI is how quickly it learns the pattern of the document and then, uh, and then adds it into structured information. All the way to what we're now doing, which is we are, like everyone else, on a huge transformational generative AI push. Um, we're pretty proud to be showing up. And we're getting lots of really strong, positive feedback from our customers that while they're excited about generative AI, can it work for their specific domains? Like I mentioned, we've got customers in banking and public sector and telco. And so we're building, we're partnered. We've, you've seen our announcements with NVIDIA. Well, we're going to run their chipsets so customers can train it on their data sets. Um, we can have a whole discussion where we can geek out on you know, large language models, and we are partnered with Hugging Face for those ones, but then also using those to train smaller models that are customer specific, so they're that much more relevant. Uh, and now uh, uh, you know, to extend that a little bit, for us, AI is in service of getting the work done. Yep. And uh, yep. capabilities we just announced are gonna be in the realm of just helping people either get what they need done easier. So the chatbot will be, much more natural. It'll follow your flow of conversations and it'll translate it in the back end into something much more rich results. Um, but then for the agent, we think of it as taking out that drudgery. We've seen, yep. and I just talked yep. to another prospect last week, some people are asked to just read emails and then rekey it. That It is so crushing. Um, we've talked about how we went into contact centers and there were sad people. And we said, you no longer have to, like your full-time job was, just reading emails and clicking categorize. Yep. The machine does remarkably well at doing that. And now we can do things like summarize a long running case, say in technology, you've got fairly complex cases. Someone has dumped a whole set of code in there. It'll summarize it into seconds. Or even for chat, uh, once you switch from the chat bot to an agent, could we summarize for an agent exactly what has happened so far? So they don't ask you, what was it that you were chatting about? And so that's how we're we thinking about we're thinking about AI. It's always focused on getting that person what they needed. It's going to be in the context of that industry, that problem. And best of all, it's in the platform. So if you already know how to configure anything else, it's yep. three clicks into turning on Gen AI for uh, once we release it. I, you know, Terrence, I think the one thing that's so funny is obviously big businesses they 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 need this. You know, desperately. However, I would argue with small businesses or with growth companies or emerging companies, everything you just laid out, well, even five or 10 years ago, you would need to have the data scientist, you need the engineer, you need the pro, you probably need some type of a pr pretty, pretty impressive product or program manager that can even keep this stuff together. What you just laid out is exactly why some of the gains or some of the just the, the, the major changes that the world is going to see. Because of because of all the incredible things happening with AI, it's not yes, it's disruptive, but it's not it's not not in a threatening way like so many people are are, are talking about. It's really to get rid of some of the just the things that we shouldn't have humans doing, frankly, at this point. And then the other piece too is just like 
it, it it's about surfacing insights and it's being it's about being able to just whip through loads and loads and loads of data way faster than a human even a great human a smart human can do it um so that they can do that what the last part of what you said it's the action stuff it's like from all yeah. of this evaluation assessment all these different insights that we're seeing or gathering now what do we go do with it and that's where humans come right back into play or yes. should be coming right back into play and taking their taking their role in terms of figuring out the top priority items going after it right so exactly. awesome, yeah. awesome awesome ideas there um terrence i'd love to pick your brain on the third six pillar process and this one I'll, I'll give you a few examples so like when i'm thinking about process uh at a company like service now number one you got a you know over twenty five thousand people just that work there you've got all of these incredible customers that are huge. How do you guys keep all of this process together? How do you think about managing knowledge? How do you think about living playbooks or just general procedures around how people know what they have to do? I'd love to hear you kind of talk about, and even if this is just in your team, and even if this is really more in your area since you've been at ServiceNow, but what are some of the ways you've been able to wrangle process? And what are some of the ways that you push and challenge your team to be able to do the controlling and monitoring or every week or every month or every quarter? they're kicking in the new stuff they're kicking in the changes and the the pitches and the pivots that happen for that period of time to be able to keep that stuff fresh yeah certainly i'll go the opposite end i'll say let's zoom out all the way um at a company level we do something where uh every summer we do what we call a three-year product strategy and that's really just looking out and saying what big bold problems do you think do we think we can solve what makes us super compelled and we are pretty transparent in, in terms of you know, while this is with our our most senior leaders we give a version of that to all the team members so we all know exactly their the direction we're going in but then you know executing on three years is really hard and so we make a rough one-year plan and we go okay what do we think we're roughly doing and as a team we pull ourselves together uh we call it a 12-month process and we just have product teams share ideas and that's for us the the magic is when you know, uh, public sector sees some crossover to financial services or retail has crossover to uh, to healthcare. Uh, and so the product teams actually go, hey, that thing you're doing over there, I could use. And then, of course, it comes to the quarterly cadence. And that's what we release on. Um, like you said, we sell to larger organizations. And so their ability to consume is, is a bit gated. So we're not quite on a CICD process. We bundle everything we do into a, into a quarterly process. Uh, but at the core of it is just lots of content everywhere, sharing with everybody. Here's where we are in the process. Uh, from the very beginning, we've got a fairly robust knowledge management capability built into our platform. And so this is where we are. If you're in this step and we have folks who are getting onboarded all the time, this is how to perform this task. Same thing with our, our support organization. And then constantly, we are always checking and saying, okay, could we be better? There's a whole postmortem process where we are continuously improving. It shows in our product, but it's really our ethos that once you get you do it once, you can, can always look back and reflect and say, how do we do it better? And that shows up even in our in our product functionality where we have a continual improvement module uh, and it's built on top of our uh, uh, cool process mining where right as you get done with a process, you can tell, and we know this from coding, uh, uh, developers call it refactoring. As soon as you get done building it, you go, I could have done that a lot better. And that's how everything continuously gets better. 
I, I, so I love that. One, one question for you, when going to the knowledge management part with ServiceNow, has there been, do you have any examples or has there been anything that you've seen your customers do as far as populating or curating some of the base content that ends up getting put into the ServiceNow knowledge management solution that's blown you away? Has there been anything that's just been super, super cool or super unique or super different that they've done with that content, whether it's video, audio, uh, the way that they do their interact, like, has there been anything that you've just been blown away by that, that kind of, you know, what was a pleasant surprise? Yeah. Um, so at least for me, the, all, I, I love all my customers and the core is when they, you can see their, they, they click in and they go, okay, so back to this continual improvement that just the way I solve tickets and we support them. I can make a article directly out of this process. And for me, the uh, one of the more humbling ones, for example, is when I see that something that's easily accessible for people to understand is um, we run the process for the state of Tennessee uh, Department of Health and Human Services for how you access benefits. So think about that. How, you know, you're, you're a parent, you're a single parent. How do I access assistance for, for healthcare? And how do you make that simple enough that it's not a barrier to the, the the benefits you are entitled to as a resident or a citizen. Uh, that for me is the power. And then you know, for me, it quickly gets back into what was the reason why the person came on their web on the website, uh, or even you can apply for it right from their Facebook page. I know, you know, depending on your audience's age, they may not think of Facebook, but you could literally apply for benefits from the state of Tennessee Facebook page. But reading that you qualify for this, you are entitled to this assistance, right to, and if you answer these few questions, we can get you on your way to, to better supporting your family because you were, you were a taxpayer and you were already entitled to these benefits. That for me is the power. It always comes back to how does this, how does this help the person who had a need and, and get, um, okay, keep coming back to, uh, either resolving or re, uh, fulfilling their request or solving a problem that they had. Yep. I couldn't agree more. Um, and that is a perfect segue into our fourth and final pillar of feedback. And I, I, I think, you know, how, how, how this question is going to come, but I, with you, I, I definitely want to make sure that you can sort of divide. I want to know kind of all the things that you've seen as far as how ServiceNow has been able to collect, assess, manage, and act upon customer feedback. And then I'd love for you to have a separate answer for how you guys are getting all this incredible feedback from your employees to be able to kind of pair it up and match it up and figure out which investments or which top priority items are going to go on to some of those roadmaps you just shared with us a second ago. Spend a few yep. minutes talking about feedback. Yeah. So feedback comes through any channel. Um, we specifically have an idea portal for our customers. Like I said, we've got a thriving community where peer-to-peer -peer feedback and ideas can be voted on. But more, and what we do is internally, we take that very seriously. We go through and review it on a regular basis and get back and say, okay, we're working on this. It'll come on this date with this release. Uh, but more formally, um, all our products have a product advisory council. We invite anyone to sign up. And before we even start building something, maybe it came from one of those ideas, we say, hey, who... You know, we show that rough concept this before the first line of code. It's a rough concept. It turns into a more refined Figma. 
that's where we uh, enlist customers that we can follow home, like I mentioned. Uh, and that's uh, that's for you know the the way that we are constantly learning what we could do better or what we're even missing that we we had a blind spot that turns into into features. And then of course, overall, like I mentioned at the 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 uh, um, overall organizational level, we take a very serious pulse check to say, how do they think of us? Like I mentioned, that whole journey of procuring, implementing, running, and using means it spans many people at our customer organizations. And so we, we run that fairly comprehensive process to figure out. And it, you know, it ends up with um, a net promoter score. I think many of you may, may be familiar with it. Uh, vote us on how well we did overall. But then across that, which areas could we do better? So you know, you'll see this theme where it's sort of very micro, but it rolls up into a whole so we can have the, the big picture, but also have actionable work. We use um, Qualtrics for that, but then internally, we also use Qualtrics for something that we call an employee voice survey. We just got done running it. And that's awesome. And it, you know, it is one of the top things that I am graded on is my employee engagement. Same thing, we take pulses through the year, but then there's an annual process. And off of that, we take that very seriously as a management team of what things do we action? And we we show the team members, you gave us this feedback, and this is what um, uh, it manifests as. One of the things that was the one of the funnest, uh, uh, at least the top voted items is during the pandemic, everyone went home, uh, uh, tremendous improvements in productivity, but we also saw that there was some burnout. Like you, you, you spent that many hours in front of your computer back when we were locked in. And so we started to ask people to, to take certain days off. And uh, when the pandemic ended, we said, hey, we're all done. You know, we don't, we don't have to take days off. And it was like, no, we really enjoyed those wellness <laughs> days. We, we love that Friday right before Labor Day weekend. And so we said, okay, that literally carried over from the employee voice survey into a series of wellness days that we carry over. And it was 100% based on that, uh, that, that team member feedback who said, I really valued being able to unplug. Now, and, and you know, we were talking earlier before this, you know, you've got young kids, you know, don't tell them, but you know, they're at school and you actually get a, a day to yourself. <laughs> we call it wellness. Cheers, <laughs> I'd be lying. I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that there's been many a days where our daughter's at daycare and we may or may not be on the golf course taking one of these unplugged days that you're talking just because exactly. you can't. And and then we live in this so world now where like work, work is, we have this, the luxury of it. It can be hybrid. Sometimes you're in person, sometimes you're remote, sometimes it's both, but that's where we are now. And I know everyone's got their opinions around how it should all look, but like, this is where the world's moving. And this is another reason why technology and um, all of these different things that we talked about today are just so, so, so important. So I love it. One last thing, one last thing I want to call out. I love the voice of employee report that you talked about for our listeners. It does, you do not need to have 25,000 employees to make this a constant thing that you're doing, I would argue minimally on a quarterly basis. I, I think what I've learned is like the smaller the company um, or the smaller the business, smaller the team, I think you almost need to expedite some of that because there is so many things happening so rapidly and changing so quickly. And then some of that clarity isn't there. So like keeping a constant pulse on your VOC, your voice of customer, and then your VOE, your voice of employee, such an easy way. And you can just do it simple, guys. You can just do it simply just by getting started and having literally coffee chats with everybody on the damn team minimally once a quarter every six months so 
Um, all awesome ideas here, Terrence. Um, Terrence, this has been an absolute pleasure. Before I let you go, sir, anything else? Two things. Number one, where can people uh, reach out to you and find out more about ServiceNow? And then number two, anything that you guys want to call out that you guys are working on or that you're excited or new things that are going to be happening over in the ServiceNow side of, uh, of things? Yeah, certainly. So you can, of course, find us at servicenow.com slash CSM. Customer service management is the product I work on. There's quite a few other products. You can just Google it as well. And what we're super excited about is Now Assist for customer service management. That is our generative AI offering that highlights all the things that we talked about on top of all the goodness that, that we have. So um, if you want to bring all that goodness that I alluded to, that we're bringing to all our customers, uh, we would love to have the opportunity to do that. I love it. Well, Terrence, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing the ServiceNow story. Um, we're going to look forward to chatting with you again in the future, my friend. Thank you so much. And I, I love your, your motto, make happiness a habit. Thank you for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. We're thrilled to have you as a part of the CX Nation, tuning in to customer-focused business leaders from across the world. Be sure to check out the CXC website, and as always, find us on any of your favorite podcast players, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks so much for making this show a reality and being a part of the CX Nation. And as always, folks, remember to make happiness a habit.